Hey everybody, welcome back to Explain Like I'm 5, the podcast where we take the questions you always wanted to ask and talk about them in a way that's easy to understand. We are your hosts, I'm Tim. Hey, I'm Kevin. So Kevin, today we're talking about a topic that often comes up among five-year-olds, and that is tomatoes. So let's start with this question. What is the true difference between a fruit and a vegetable, and what classification is a tomato? Ah, the classic, classic question. Um... You know, those two terms are actually not opposites, and there's actually some overlap. Now, fruit, biologically speaking, is a term for the seed-bearing part of a plant. And a fruit is the specific part that is the, you know, the matured ovary of a flower, basically containing the seed. So that's why, you know, people say you can tell it's a fruit if it has seeds. On the other hand, vegetables are like the roots and the stems and the leaves and the bulbs and the tubes and other bits of the plant that you would you know, eat. Well, that seems very clear. Why is that confusion then? Well, the confusion comes because outside of the horticultural world, as a classification, vegetable is actually, you know, a culinary term for basically kind of non-sweet plant-based foods. Um, so this is why, you know, tomatoes are kind of both a fruit and a vegetable. No wonder it's so confusing. So in biology, a tomato is clearly a fruit, but in culinary terms, it's okay to consider it a vegetable. Yeah, yeah. There's a funny quote um, by the American writer Neil Stevenson, who said it best. He said that intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what about cucumbers and peppers then? Uh, so technically fruits too. Um, yes, same with avocados and squash. Okay, turning our attention now, why are sun-dried tomatoes safe to eat while eating a tomato that you've left on the windowsill in front of the sun for too long would probably make you ill? Uh, so that has to deal with like how bacteria grows. Because below 3.5% moisture content, most bacteria can't really live. And sun-dried tomatoes are sliced and dried, so most of the moisture is gone, and bacteria just can't be supported. However, a tomato on the windowsill still has a lot of moisture in it, and the bacteria, they're going to have a feast. If you ingest them, when you, you know, you're going to get sick. So related to that, then, how can restaurants leave ketchup uh, and also mustard out all day, but then the bottles that you buy in the store, they say refrigerate after opening? I know. Ketchup left at room temperature will last for a few weeks before there's any, you know, really bad spoilage. Uh, and restaurants, they just go through a bottle of it a day. So there's just very little risk of it uh, being out there that long. Now, one big reason they don't spoil is that because both ketchup and mustard has a lot of vinegar in them. And what happens is that the acid starts to do weird things and it basically degrades the taste and the color. So that's why some restaurants use colored bottles instead of clear ones. So you don't see the color change. You know, the bottles actually do say for best result for refrigerate after open or something to that effect. Now you mentioned the vinegar and that's quite an interesting detail there. Wasn't ketchup itself essentially invented as something that would not spoil? You are right. Ketchup is a, you know, 19th century creation. It combined the English tradition of fruit and vegetable sauces and the growing American infatuation with the tomato. But what we know today as ketchup emerged from a debate about the uh, preservative benzoate, which was used in most late 19th century condiments. It was the the chief of the Bureau of Chemistry in the Department of of Agriculture in the late 1800s and early 1900s who came to believe that 
benzoates were not safe. And the result was an argument that actually split the ketchup world in half, believe it or not. Oh, yes, that's right. There was a war between the two sides of the ketchup world. Oh, yes, a ketchup war. <laughs> uh, one side was the kind of the ketchup establishment, which believed that it was impossible to make ketchup without benzoate, and that benzoate was not harmful in the amounts being used. Uh, their ketchup was actually more tomatoey and watery as well. However, on the other side was this renegade band of ketchup manufacturers who believed that the preservative puzzle could be solved with the application of some, you know, culinary science. So how did they solve the problem? And who won the war? So what they did was they basically added more vinegar, which protected the tomatoes by kind of pickling them. And they were so confident that they offered even a money back guarantee in the event of spoilage. They had priced their product higher because they were convinced that the public would pay more for a better ketchup. And that ultimately won. The, uh, the benzoate ketchups disappeared, and the leader of the Renegade band was an entrepreneur out of Pittsburgh. I think I can guess his name, at least his surname. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, he was Henry J. Hines. Now let's end on ketchup, since we started on this whole tomatoes thing being a fruit. Why is ketchup categorized as, in fact, a vegetable in California? You are right. Uh, ketchup was legally deemed a vegetable product in California, even though it is made with tomatoes, which are considered, you know, a fruit, right? Uh, we had the biological definition. We talked about the culinary definition. And now, now here's a legal definition. So in the legal designation was actually the result of school systems attempting to adhere to a law, trying to put stricter guidelines on the healthiness of foods at school. The schools couldn't afford to include the required amounts of servings for vegetables. And then, well, they defined ketchup as a vegetable. I see. Okay. Did you learn something new? If you did, send us an email. We are at eli5, the podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially when you have comments and suggestions for us. If you are a regular listener of this podcast, please do take the time to go leave us a review or a rating on Apple iTunes because it helps other listeners to find this podcast. As always, thank you to the community at r slash explain like I'm five, and we will see you all next week.